Jesus, we just thank you for your presence in this space. We thank you for um, each and every person here and who they represent, um, how you've brought them into uh, youth tonight to encounter your presence and your Holy Spirit. I just pray in Jesus' name that we would be able to be intentional tonight, that we'd be able to turn our attention towards you, um, even as we have in worship, and um, that we'd be even more intentional as we hear the word, that we'd be more intentional in our small group time, that we wouldn't um, waste such an awesome opportunity to both be in community and um, to just grow and learn and go a little bit deeper, a little bit further than we have before. We thank you, Jesus. Um, for the space that you've blessed us with to meet in. And we just pray that you would continue to uh, work and move tonight. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You guys can find your seats. So glad that you are here in this space that we're worshiping. If it's your first uh, week or two that you've been here at youth, that is our heart's cry and desire that we would be like Jesus we just want to encounter him and learn more about him and go a little bit deeper, a little bit further, a little bit closer in our relationship towards him. Um, tonight I have the honor of introducing to you my wife Jessica as the speaker for our message. Could you guys give Jessica a round of applause? Just because you think she's way cooler than me. I hope you do. She is. Um, I wanted to mention, too, that we rarely acknowledge that thing. Remember, we did it on the very first night, and we forgot about it. So if you are a current student and you think this is your home youth group, then you have to repeat after me, and we have to say, you belong where? Here, you see, we forgot about it. Did you guys forget too? I forgot about it. But let's make it happen for the guests in the house, our friends that we invited, make sure that they feel welcomed. We're going to say together, one, two, three, you belong, belong here. Oh, Cole didn't like that. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, he's disappointed. All right. I guess that's all me now. All right. Let's open up with prayer and we'll dive in. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to come here and worship you. We pray that all distractions would be left at the door, Lord. We pray that our eyes and our ears and our minds would be so focused on what you want to speak to us today about, Lord. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, I'm going to start with a little story. When I was a little girl... I would open up these different cards for birthdays, Christmas, whatever it may be, and it, there usually would be money in it, and I would get so excited, and I would take that money, and I would run up to my mom and say, all right, mom, we have to go to the nearest Toys R Us or Target and get the latest toy, and we need to go right now. So we would get all ready, we would get in the car, we're about ready to leave, and all of a sudden, my grandma would be right there saying, now, Jessica, did you put your 10% in tithe before you took that money with you? And I would look at her and say, Grandma, I'm only five. I don't think I need to do that yet. And if you don't know what tithe is, it's an Old Testament. It's in the Old Testament where the Lord asked his people to give 10% 10 back to the Lord. 
And so after me saying, Grandma, I'm only five, her response would be, you're five years too late, get back in the house, you're going to put 10% in tithe and 10% in a savings account, which in her mind is a retirement account. So there I am, five years old, saving her for retirement and paying my tithe. So five years old, thought I was going to have $25 in my pocket, $5 less rich because $250 had to go to tithe, $250 had to go to my retirement account. And I learned from a very young age to sneak those cards into my bedroom, open them up in my closet because I didn't want my grandma to see that I was receiving money. But somehow, my grandma always knew she must have been very close to Jesus because she always was there, even when I was opening it up in my closet. So I grew up, that habit kept growing, and I would babysit on weekends. I would um, nanny during PSEO and throughout the school year, during summers, and I always tithed. Cole and I got married during COVID, which you guys all experienced COVID, but first year of marriage, COVID, everybody's world is being up, up, flipped upside down, and we chose to keep tithing. We weren't making much, but we made it a mission to keep giving to our local church that 10%. We knew that our first year of marriage is usually the hardest for people. Uh, you're just learning a lot about each other, and I was determined to not let that be uh, what our marriage was. We also knew that the causes of fights in marriages usually was about finances. So I was like, Cole, we got to keep tithing. I was determined to not let money be something that destroys our marriage like we see so commonly happen throughout the world. The time where I thought would be the hardest, COVID mixed with our first year of marriage, was actually our best year of marriage. Our finances weren't the only thing blessed, but our life as a married couple was also blessed. We rarely fought, we had all of our needs met, and it was really an incredible first year marriage. It was the craziest season where we saw the Lord's blessing and provision in a way that's truly hard to explain. Now, if you have your Bibles, can you guys turn to Malachi 3, 8 through 10? If you do not, it's going to be up on the screen, but Malachi 3, 8 through 10 says, begin by being honest. Do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. You ask, how have we robbed you? The tithe and the offering, that's how. And now you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Bring me your, your full tithe to the temple treasury so there'll be ample provisions in my temple. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. So point number one, if you're taking notes, blessed beyond my wildest dreams. The Lord promised that if you tithe, you would be blessed beyond your wildest dreams. You would not only see financial blessing, but your life would be blessed. Now I'm sure you're wondering, why do we tithe? What's the point? Why does God ask us to tithe? And growing up in the church, I'd always thought, oh, we tithe because God can't do it without us. 
this church can't function without my money, so I need to tithe because I have to help the Lord fund what he wants to do. But as I got older, I quickly realized that the God of the universe, the one who made Jesus be born from a virgin mother, the God who raised Jesus from the dead, and the one who caused the sun come up to come up this morning, and the one that's going to hang the moon and the stars tonight, that God, he is not waiting for my money, and he is not waiting for your money. He can for sure do whatever he wants on his own. So he's not waiting for your money, but he's waiting for you. Because he knows that as humans, we are tied to our money. Where our money is, so is our heart. So where we put our money, where we put our time, where we put our resources, that's where our heart's going to be also. So when he gets your money, he also gets you. And the cool thing about God is that he always shows up on his promises. This is the one area where he says that we can test him over and over again. While he's being tested, we're also being tested. By tithing, our faith and our heart are being tested because giving that 10% can be hard, especially when you're walking through a season where it's hard um, and you feel like you can't make ends meet. But the Lord says you can test him. So when we tithe, he's promised to bless us beyond our wildest dreams. So in the meantime, you are testing his character and seeing if he is true in his promise. We need to come to the realization that everything here on earth belongs to God. It's all his. We're just managing it for him. We need to be good stewards of the gifts that the Lord has given to us. And when we go back to Malachi, the Lord says we are robbing him when we don't tithe. Now tithing is giving that first 10% of our income, whatever money you receive, back to God. The Bible says that everything we have comes from him. So tithing is really just returning to God what was his in the beginning. When we tithe, we're putting God first in our lives and trusting him to provide for all of our needs. So this means when you babysit, you get $30, you're going to take that first $3 and tithe it to the church. If you're mowing the lawn and you get $50, that first $5 goes back to Christ. Students, I'm telling you, right now, the faster you catch on to this promise, the easier this habit is to make. Giving God $3 is a lot easier than giving him $300 or $3,000 when you go out in the real world. Start now and test him in this. Watch your life become blessed beyond your wildest dreams. All right, boys in front row. Let's try to be quiet. We learned that tithing will be blessed beyond our wildest dreams. We're asked to tithe a minimum of 10%. But if we're living out what Jesus asked of us, we would also be generous with that other 90%. Generosity is not a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle. So that's point number two if you're writing this down. Generosity is not a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle. The faster we realize that none of this is ours, the easier it is to be that person that has a generous heart. 
first we tithe, and then we ask what the Lord wants to do with the rest of our money. I believe some of you in this room are challenged to give to Speed the Light. This is one of those things that goes above and beyond your tithe. If you weren't here last week and you don't know what Speed the Light is, Speed the Light is a thing that we're challenging our students to give to. And it's an organization that provides both physical and spiritual needs to 42% of the world that don't know the name of Jesus. You guys pledged close to $12,000 last week, which is actually almost double what you guys pledged and gave last year. So make sure you guys have a heart to be generous. Don't let this be just a pledge. Follow through on what you said. The Lord has blessed each and every one of you guys with specific gifts and talents that could change someone's life. What do I mean by this? This past week on Tuesday, I was sitting in my office and I felt like the Lord revealed specific people to me with specific gifts, gifts that they could creatively use to reach more people for Jesus. We learned that last week in order to meet unconventional needs, we have to think of unconventional ways to raise money. These are a few people that came to mind with specific um, visions that I saw that the Lord gave me. Kylie Hills, Millie and Kylie Norgren, you three came to mind and I felt the Lord show me that you three have a strong gift with kids. I saw a vision of you three hosting a date night here at church, which I'm sure Jess Hills is sitting there thinking, uh, <laughs> logistically, this is not going to work, so you can think about it. Um, a date night here at church where you had couples drop off their kids for a certain amount of time and all donations would go straight to speed the light. Stella, I saw the Lord show me your parents' kitchen and it was filled to the brim with baked goods that you were selling for speed the light. Cody Benson, you came to mind, and I had a vision of you at your local gym, and you contacted all of your family and friends to sponsor you for every three-point shot that you made in three hours. Austin Anderson and Carson, I felt the Lord show me that you guys threw a thousand footballs and had people sponsor you for each throw. A cent, ten cents, a dollar. But if you had 25 people to sponsor you at 10 cents of football and you threw 1,000 footballs, you guys would both have $2,500 each. Each of you have specific talents and gifts that the Lord has given you. He is asking you to use them to live a lifestyle of generosity. Whatever you do to raise money for, for Speed the Light, make it public. Go on Instagram Live, tell your friends and family, do whatever you have to do to let more people know what you're doing. Because people want to get to something bigger than themselves. Let's be a youth group that does not shy away from living a life of generosity. One of the phrases that we speak to our student leaders and our adult leaders all the time is that we get to over we have to. I want our youth group to be a, a youth group that has the mindset that we get to give back to God, not we have to give our tithes and offerings. I want to be the type of person that when the time comes that my answer would always be yes. When I hear that our church is doing Operation Christmas Child, I want to get Kaylee in the car and I want to go to Target and I want to fill up as many boxes because we are a generous family. 
when I hear a story of Speed of Light, that we're not only providing drinking water um, in forms of a water well, but we're also providing living water in forms, of the in forms of Bibles. I want my response to be, how much can I give? Because my family will be a generous family. This all belongs to him, and we are just managing it. Students, it starts now. Luke 16.10 says, those who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. Let this ring true in your life. Does Jesus look at you and see that he can trust you with more? No, I'm not talking just with money, but it can start there. Are you a faithful steward of your money that he is letting you manage? And if we want to replicate the heart of God, we would give. It says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. It all comes back to giving. We as Christians are called to give, give, give. Point number three is I am a steward, not an owner. Do you realize how careful you are of things that you realize aren't actually yours? Quick story, when I was in youth group, my cousin who went to the same church as me let me borrow an outfit, and I was like, okay, she's not somebody you really want to mess with, and you don't really want to get on the wrong side of her, um, because you might as well call it quits. So I was like, okay, I got to be really careful of this outfit. Well, the same day that I was wearing this outfit, I was uh, with my youth pastor, and we were on a summer of prank wars. Cole and I will never do this with you guys because I will always win and you'll probably leave crying. But these prank wars got serious. It started with just saran wrapping, if you wanna turn to that next slide. It started with saran wrapping and post-noting my youth pastor's car. And side note, if you ever do this, don't let it rain the next day because post-it notes actually stain cars. And I might not have any ex personal experience with this, but it's a helpful thing to know because if you ever stain my car, you're going down. <laughs> uh, next, we went to my um, youth pastor's dorm. We filled his room with cups of water and he had to go one by one to get to his bed. They were actually leaving our church to become youth pastors at a different church, so we knew we had to finish well. We went to the house that he was living at, and he wasn't home, but the person that he was living with, uh, they let us in. And he is uh, a freak when it comes to clothes and shoes, and he has all the boxes lined up in his closet of all of his shoes. So we took each one out and we tied them to the wrong pair of shoes. We took each of his clothes out the hanger and saran wrapped them. We put confetti, glitter, and flour on his ceiling fan. And then we went outside and waited. We sat there and we sat there and we're like, why is he not coming home? Well, all of a sudden, meanwhile, I'm still in that outfit that my cousin let me wear. Probably was not the best day to wear this. All of a sudden, I feel slime and a bucket running down my whole body, like like a huge bucket of slime. Uh, yeah, not good. Um, so there I am, covered in slime. And the first thing I think of, oh my word, I, I'm in the clothes that she let me borrow and she will let, literally never talk to me again. I mean, we still haven't talked, it's been seven years and I'm only halfway kidding. 
Um, but it was it was bad. Uh, I'm sure you guys are wondering how that prank war ended. Yes, my youth pastor was on the roof waiting for us the whole time. He somehow knew that we were in the house, and he drenched us with slime. And if you know me, I don't lose. I come to win every time. So the next day, I was like, oh, I need to bring them Starbucks. I got to cheer them up. They're leaving our church soon. I had to take a stop at Walmart on the way there because I had to pick up Miralax, which is a laxative, that I put half a bottle in each of my youth pastor's drink. So one hospital visit later, I won. <laughs> um, yeah, they, it didn't make me pay for the hospital visit, but uh, they definitely left our church fast after that one. Um, Back to the original point of the story. I was so careful. I'm seeing eyes look at me like you are insane. It's fine, you guys. I was in high school. I'm a different person. I know Jesus now. I was so careful with her clothes. I immediately got them dry cleaned. I told her nothing happened to them. They're perfectly fine. Um, but the point of it is you're always more careful with things that is not um, yours. Another quick story, this past summer, our family needed a break, and so we flew down to Arizona, and my grandma has a house down there, and she let us stay there for two weeks while she was up here in Minnesota. And if you have a grandma like mine, you know that basically everything in their home is breakable. I actually didn't realize that somebody could own that many collectibles, dishes, antique sets, and I quickly realized how much she owned when I brought a one-year-old with me to live in a two-bedroom, very small house, and I don't think I breathed much on that trip. My grandma's the type of lady that would know if you even walked into her house because the rug would be a little crooked and there would be a little dust that would form um, on like the windowsill. On our last day, I was like, okay, cool. I got to make this house spotless. She's going to know that we were here, and I want to act like we weren't here for two weeks with the child. So I told Kay Cole and Kaylee to leave the house. If you come in, don't breathe, don't do anything. So I spent two hours fully cleaning the house, and it was basically in perfect shape. Kaylee was having a rough day, so I told her she could come inside uh, only if she slept. But if you know Kaylee, she doesn't know Jesus quite yet, which means she does not listen to her parents. Cole just preached about honoring her mother and father, and she doesn't do that yet. So instead of sleeping, she wanted to practice walking. But the practice quickly turned into her falling into the corner of the coffee table and busting her lip. I've never seen that much blood and I saw my life flash before my eyes, not because my daughter was hurt, because obviously she was for the amount of blood that I saw. But no, I saw the wrath of my eight-year-old grandma who would one day come and see all this blood on her white carpet. Two things. Why do grandmas always have white carpet in their homes? And two, why does this always happen at the worst time? I gave Kaylee to Cole, and I was like, this is not her house. I have to figure out how to get blood out of white carpet in about an hour. And because I knew that if it was my home, I would be more worried about my child because that's what a mom does. But because it was somebody else's house, I was more worried about getting the blood out of the carpet. 
So hopefully you get the point. You are always more careful when, you, uh, when we realize that what we have is not actually ours. We're just stewarding it. Matthew 10, 39 says, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for the sake, for my sake, will find it. Will we be a youth group that has their hands open like this in every area of our life? None of this is ours. But so often we grip so tightly on the things in our life that we think are ours, and those are the very moments that we lose it. I've watched in my own life where the areas I grip so tightly on are the very areas that the Lord decides to strip away from me. The youth pastors that we had the prank war with uh, are in the picture uh, that is coming up. Next slide. Perfect. That's my youth pastor, Whitney, and her now husband, Darison. And growing up, she was a youth leader from when I was in sixth grade. She eventually turned into my youth pastor with her husband, and we became best of friends. I was by her side all the time. We would spend, um, she would spend an hour with me every single week from seventh grade all the way to tenth grade uh, just to talk about life. And one day she asked me to come early to youth group. She took me to Panera. And before we got out of the car, she told me that she was quitting and moving back to Michigan. Now I'm sure you have a friend that has either left, a parent that has left, and that is heartbreaking. And that moment I was like, I feel like my heart is breaking. Um, I remember so clearly that the Lord taught me that we idolize a person sports, money, gifts, and talents, and they can quickly take the place of God. I believe that the Lord takes things away from us in order to show us that our faith was tied to that thing instead of him. I'm constantly asking myself if they were to leave, if my bank account were to become empty, if you couldn't play that sport anymore, would your faith be able to stand on its own? We are called to steward, to steward money, to steward people, to steward things and resources. We are not the owners. We are the managers. People do not belong to us. My husband and daughter Kaylee, they do not belong to me. Our bank account is not mine. Your bank account is not yours. We're just stewarding it for Jesus. That sport you play, that talent that you have, that job that you work at, those are not yours. You are just stewarding it. You are not the owner. Do not let your faith lie in that thing. Because going back to that verse in Matthew, whatever you refuse to let go, you will eventually lose. So whatever is coming to mind, keep reminding yourself to always keep open hands and constantly say, Lord, this is all yours, especially when it comes to money. Today, as you go to small groups, I want you to be vulnerable with your small groups. Share if you tithe. Share if this was the first time that you actually heard the word tithe. Your small groups want to encourage you to live a life of generosity. So I'm going to quick pray, and then we're going to head to small groups. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're speaking to us today about, Lord. We pray that the things that you want us to leave with 
here today, Lord, that it would ring true in our lives, Lord. We pray that the goal that we made for Speed of Light, Lord, it would not just be a number that we wrote down, Lord, that you are going to remind us of the gifts and the talents that we have that we can use to further your name and the gospel of Jesus. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen. All right.